Living a busy, full life? MitoQ is a science-based cell health supplement that helps your cells generate renewable daily energy. Discover more at MitoQ.com. That's M-I-T-O-Q.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Let's fucking go, Flyers! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Hey, Bill. Just wanted to send you a quick note from uh, north of the border here. Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Let's fucking go! 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 Go Flyers! Let's fucking go, Flyers! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go, boys! Don't have all my equipment. I'm not in my normal studio. Here we go. They won in overtime. Let's fucking go, baby. Where's my beer? Here we go. Thank God for Labatt. All right, here you are. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Let's fucking go! We can throw all the analysis out the window. We can do all the things. We can look at this game a hundred different ways, but... The thing that matters most is the thing that happened. They fucking won. They blow another lead, but they win it in overtime. They showed us their fight tonight. That's... Listen, am I happy with the way things went? You have a 3-1 lead with five minutes left in the third? No. That game shouldn't go to overtime. But fuck yeah, they won, and the series goes on. The season did not end tonight, and that's what matters. Uh, goddamn Bill, I'm staying up with Labatt Seltzer just for you. Hell yeah, Redbeard Devil. Uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, I'm staying up with some Labats as well. Labatt Blue, Labatt Blue Light, and Labatt Blue Light Seltzer. If you can't tell, I'm a little toasty. Uh, maybe I started pre-gaming a little early. Maybe I knew they were gonna blow that, blow that lead. But whatever it is, they came through and the season does not end today. This is not the final post-game and that's all that matters. I am excited about that. A bunch of guys who didn't have a goal in series play or in the playoffs at all scored tonight. That has to be good. Losing Couturier, that fucking sucks. Hopefully he's ready to go on Thursday, but you gotta make do with what you have and the Flyers did tonight. You don't want to blow that lead. That was absolutely fucking awful. You have a 3-1 lead. I think with with more... With 10 minutes to go in the third... Under 10 minutes to go, so more than halfway through the third period... Flyers led in shots 25-15. By the time overtime got going, they were down like 32-30. That's not the way you want a third period to go. That's not the way you want to close out a game. Absolutely. But what matters most is what happened. They won. It's 3-2. The series is not over. It had to be... You had to get the win tonight. Nothing else mattered. The result is the only thing that mattered, and they got the result that they wanted... Uh, with the overtime victory. Both their wins in this series have come off of blowing leads and getting it done in overtime, and they did again tonight, so that's awesome. Some of you are noticing I shaved. Yeah, I went I went stash-free. I went clean-shaven for this, uh, just, as, just as I promised on the last post-game, and here we are. It worked, so gonna have to shave again on Thursday, I guess. 
I'm fucking excited. Let's get to all you. But first, let me tell you about my friends at the Crest Tavern. That's right. The Crest Tavern in Wildwood Crest, New Jersey. It's my favorite bar at the Jersey Shore. One of the best bars in the whole world. And why? Because it's a hockey bar. You will like the Crest Tavern, whether you're going for takeout, whether you're going for packaged goods, or if you want to sit down and maybe uh, maybe have a dinner, maybe have a, an outdoor dining experience, Crest Tavern is the place for you for all the night starts in hockey. They have a 20-foot television outside, so go catch a game, have a few beers, enjoy yourself, get that pork sandwich, tell them Bill Matt sent you, and of course, if you're having a few beers... You should have a few Labatt. I've been drinking Labatt these whole playoffs. It's been coming through for me. I know. I know they're down in the series. I know tonight wasn't ideal. But the thing that needed to happen happened. They got that W. The series is 3-2. And now win on Thursday, baby. And then it's a 1. Then it's a best of 1. Get it to 7. I picked the Flyers in 7 to win this thing. I can't tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm overly enthused, but... Here they are. Here they are. The season isn't over. Let's get to your comments. Uh, great to see G on the board tonight. Time to start rolling three lines, though. <sighs> With Couturier out, it's even tougher. I mean, you put Lawton as 1C. I'll tell you, I've been, I've been holding back on, my, uh, on, on, on all the Frost hype, the Morgan Frost hype these playoffs. Oh, they need a goal. Put in the guy who's a good offensive player. I've been holding back on the hype. Couturier injured is that break glass in case of emergency scenario. You don't have another center who can play in the top six. I know, okay, move Lawton up, keep Hayes where he is, Morgan Frost is now your 1C, or your 3C, excuse me. Even in that scenario, you know what? Make Morgan Frost the 1C. Put him between Giroux and Voracek and say, the two veterans have to protect the kid, and maybe the kid can do something cool, you know? I don't know. This is the scenario we talked about. This is... On Broad Street Hockey Radio, Charlie has been talking about this. Uh, what kind? Who of the Black Aces? Who of the extras could draw in? When is it appropriate to use Morgan Frost? If Sean Couturier is out for an extended period of time, let's see Morgan Frost. I still can't help but clench whenever I see 44, 38, 61, and 8 with under 10 left. Yeah, it's... Listen, I know you want to... You have to distribute your ice time, and you believe in the Nate Thompson line to be able to give you a good checking shift. But putting them... Two schools of thought. You're going to be on defense, so have your best defensive zone guys out there, and that's that's Haig and Braun. But also, like, maybe don't be on defense. I, when, when the fourth line is out there with the third D pair, it drives me nuts. Woo! The refs tried. The team fired up after G goal. Heart led in a softy, and team moves on. Hashtag, hashtag justice for Joel. Uh, there should be a suspension. I don't know about all that. Uh, I, I mean, the Flyers got a power play in overtime. I'm not talking about the refs at all. Um, the Flyers did what they had to do. That's what this came down to as it was going to have to. You had to score more goals than them one night, and you did. The season continues. I'm not talking about the refs. I don't care about the refs. That's not what it's going to be about. It's going to be about all your best players playing their best. And who'd you get goals out of tonight? Drew, who hadn't had a goal. JVR, who hadn't had a goal. Lawton, who hasn't scored since the round robin. Niskanen, first goal of the playoffs. He's a vet. He's one of the guys who's been there before. He's the only guy on the team in the Stanley Cup ring. These are the players you needed to see step up, and they did. Giroux came up big in a big game. Thursday is a bigger game, and Saturday will be an even bigger game. He isn't, uh, he isn't in the clear yet, but hopefully this gets him rolling. Yeah, that's he needed the one, uh, and you know they win the uh, they win the draw. He's on the ice for the winner. He's out there with Lawton. Lawton steps up, gets that overtime winner. Awesome, good stuff. But yes, this isn't it. The the guys. Those top players, Giroux, Voracek, Hayes, Konechny, they all need to be your best players again on Thursday. All this did was extend the season. But they needed to fucking do it, and they did. And that's what I'm looking at tonight. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> Good stuff. The Space Jam aliens return TK's ability. Yeah, TK didn't score himself, but he had... What was easily his most notable game. He picked up some points tonight. 
he looked more like Travis Konechny than he has for the first two rounds, without a doubt. Super pumped for the win, but Nate fucking Thompson needs to go. He's not the worst player, but he is way overused. <sighs> I thought they've done a good job for the most part, especially in this series. Not so much against Montreal, but in this series, I thought they did a good job of distributing the ice time. Uh, but when Couturier goes down, you can only... They only have so many centers, and they kept Giroux at wing. Uh, you know, they, they move Lawton up. So you only have so many centers. Nate Thompson's not coming out of the lineup. Nate Thompson is one of those things we're all going to have to get over because he's not going to sit. Let's fucking go! Is it just me, or is the Thompson line forever out there? Uh, again, with the injury tonight, I know why Thompson was out there more, but I just think he's been they've been doing a better job of keeping his line off the ice and distributing the ice time better in this series. After Couturier goes down, you're shorthanded. You only have 11 forwards, and you're missing your 1C, so I get it. Let's pray Coots is okay. Yeah, man, uh, this is... Um and this isn't, like, a narrative I want to push or anything. Like, I'm not trying to talk shit on uh, on Sean Couturier. And obviously, we all know what he did while injured in 2018. Uh, but this is three playoffs in, the ro in a row now. You kind of like to have Couturier. And he's, he's, on, he's at least missed the end of this one. Uh, fuck. It's, it's, it's not great. It's not great that he's not there, especially considering you now have to play, assuming he's not good to go for Thursday, 60 minutes without him. So you're saying if we drink more, they win? Sorry, Liver, but this one is for the Flyers. Hey, if you're going to drink, drink Labatt. They have the Islanders right where they want them. <sighs> Maybe. Uh, Laviolette. La uh, Elaine Vigneault has come back from 3-1 a couple of times in his career. He's done it before. If they get the goaltending, it's possible. It's not about winning three in a row now. It's about winning one of one on Thursday and then winning game seven. That's what they have to do. They have to push it to seven before they can win that third one. Get it, win Thursday now. Can we get a count of how many shots have hit the post? I feel like it's outrageous. Sure, I always think those things even out. Like, think about how many posts Montreal hit in the first round, you know? And I, I discounted those. You know, saying the post is part of the goalie's equipment. If you hit the post, it's because there wasn't enough net to shoot at. Wish Nolan Patrick was healthy. Well, yeah, especially now. Jesus. If they could use, if they could use another center, uh, another skilled center, it's now. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, he's he hasn't been available all season. He continues. Not to be available. He didn't even travel with them to the bubble. So then the idea of Nolan Patrick in this lineup is uh, poppycock. TK to assist. Yeah, no, he looked more like TK than he has in the playoffs. In at least the, uh, I mean, he was good in the round robin. He didn't score, but set up some plays. Uh, he looks more like TK than he has in the first two actual rounds. Love Frost as the 1C in the event of Coots being out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to ask a kid who hasn't really played meaningful hockey in several months to step into that role. My guess is, my guess is Lawton becomes your 1C, uh, but I think this is the break, uh, break glass in case of emergency situation that you bring in Morgan Frost and hope whatever sort of, arse, uh, whatever sort of offensive spark he can bring you offsets whatever youth, inexperience, underdeveloped uh, negatives there are, you know? I think you have to go for it, and he's the guy who helps you go for it. Thought TK played his best playoff game tonight. Yeah, especially since uh, easily post-round Robin, best TK has looked. Myers is looking like a guy who could be top four for a decade. I, that's the goal. Uh, when Myers gets his... Sh Myers has a little bit of trouble getting a shot through traffic, and getting it on net. When he does, good things seem to happen. Like, his actual... Like, if you could somehow track his shots that get through and the success rate that comes with them, whether, they, whether it's a goal or it's a, a rebound created, a tip, 
whatever, when Myers gets his shot through the traffic and doesn't miss the net, his success rate seems incredible. Bill, I'm not sure if this game was a woo or a few. Uh, no, listen, they won and they survived. They had a 3-1 lead and blew it, so you're obviously going, phew, all right, got through that one. But fuck it, man. All you had to do was win. It didn't matter how. It, I mean, it matters in the grand scheme of things in terms of analyzing. Yes, it matters how you win, but they just had to extend the series, and they did. So I'm giving it a solid woo! How about that AV stat? Last time his team uh, overcame a 3-1 deficit was in 2015 against Trotz's Caps. Yeah, he's also done it against this coach before, and... We can talk, and those Caps teams weren't as maybe, uh, they're obviously far more talented than this Islanders team, but clearly didn't buy in to the extent um, defensively and just as a, a team structurally as this Islanders team does. This Islanders team is as committed and bought in, and however else you want to describe it, more to a game plan than I've seen any team since, like, the 95 Devils, the 2000 Devils, the 96 Panthers. like that, That's what they look like. A team that's so prepared for every situation that it doesn't even matter when they're trailing 3-0, 3-1. They know that they won't give up more, and that gives them the confidence to go out and erase a deficit. Even though they're a defensively oriented team, they have the firepower and they have the patience and structure to say, all right, yeah, we gave up three, but there ain't going to be a fourth. And we've seen that twice now. Uh, they've erased, you know, a 3-0 and a 3-1 deficit uh, to force overtime. So we know game six is going to be a battle too. But Elaine Vigneault has done it before, erasing 3-1 deficits. Like you said, he did it in 2015 against Trotz's Caps. I like the TK Lotz JVR line. Thought that was a good change uh, to try to spark some offense. Yeah, I'm a... I liked what I saw out of, that, out of that line, especially early. I thought JVR brought it tonight. He scored the goal, had a couple of nice passes, uh, was in on the forecheck, seemed engaged. That's what you need out of JVR. Obviously, we've already said TK looked great tonight in terms of how, how bad he's looked for a lot of these playoffs. Lawton played well. He sets up the, uh, the JVR goal. Uh, I'm, I was happy with that line. I really was. If all things... Uh, we're equal. I would love to keep that line together. However, since it looks like Sean Couturier might be out for at least one game, you have to mix it up. Lawton might become your 1C. Scott Lawton, 1C, in an elimination game, second round of the playoffs. That's what you saw happening. Me too. Yeah, that deserves a swiggle of bat. This is the first night that the Islanders haven't looked like they've been rolling six skaters the whole night. Yeah, they still won too many shifts. They won too many shifts after Flyers' goals, but there wasn't nearly the territorial dominance, which is what I think you're referring to in terms of making it look like uh, making it look like they have six skaters on the ice while the Flyers have five, because that's what it's looked like for a lot of the series. Does anyone think New York gets away with an exorbitant amount of obstruction? I... I will always say, in the playoffs, if you believe yourself to be the more skilled team and a team that's looking for penalties, you're going to find yourself at a disadvantage in the playoffs because it just doesn't get called. Whether it's fair or not, whether it's right or not, whether it's against the rules or not, that's the playoffs. Obstruction happens. You have to fight through it. Fight back. Obstruct with them. You know, if the, and I know they got called for a holding penalty in the neutral zone early, and it's like, oh man, so I guess we can't play that way. You don't want to put your team down, but fight back. Fight through it and do it back to them. Force them to call it every time. I always think of um, the old Legion of Boom, the way, you know, Richard Sherman and that defense in Seattle, um, they committed pass interference on like every play and forced officials to, like, either decide or we're upping the bar, we have to change what we think is a penalty, otherwise we're going to throw a flag every play, and, like, you're challenging them to, to, to call a penalty every time. Do that. It's clear that if, it, 
if the Islanders are getting away with it, that means the Flyers can too. Fight back. I'm going to need a defibrillator uh, for game six. Heart attack. Kids are back. But let's go. Yeah, man. They did it. That's... They needed to win, and they did. Was it pretty? Was it the way you want it to end when you have a, you know, uh, less than five minutes left and you have a 3-1 lead? No, obviously, but here we are. They did it. Thompson had 17-33 TOI. How in the hell does that happen? All right, lots of people are talking about Thompson's TOI, so let me see. Oh, I have my phone in my pocket, so I don't even need to open up. Uh, well, I do. All right. I'm going to look that up and take some more comments while Chrome figures out what it wants to do. Uh, all right. Because I want to see what his... I want to see what Thompson's TOI was in the first two periods and then after Couturier doesn't come back out. Because I think that's mostly where we saw all the Nate Thompson. Do I want to see that much Nate Thompson? No. If Nate Thompson didn't suit up, I'd be happy. But we know he's going to. So we have to make our peace with that. Uh, I just, I feel like he started to get an, ex an exorbitant amount of ice time after they were down a center. So let's bring up the old game center. Uh, I used to always open the box score before post-game, and now I never do. Uh, because I just rant at you and don't look at stats. Which is how I think you like it, you know? Alright, where's this TOI report? I'm sorry, I'm vamping here, not taking questions, but I just want to get this out of the way because people seem to have a lot of issues with how much Nate Thompson played in this one. And I'm sure someone has already, like, in the comments, uh, figured this out while I was doing it. But, you know, I'm very behind in the comments, as always. Scroll down to 44, where are you at, kid? Nate Thompson. Oh, wow, really wasn't that different. First period, he played 425. Second period, he played a very nice 420. And then 530 in the third period, so it's more than a whole extra minute after uh, after Couturier doesn't come back. And then 318 in overtime, and that's, you know, they didn't play a full period. So he had eight, uh, 848 of his 1733 in the third period in overtime. So I think it had more to do with the Couturier injury, but A.V. likes to roll four lines. He does. That's that's something he he thinks is a strategic advantage for him. I think they've been doing a lot more, like, first period going heavy with the top guys and then evening it out as the game goes on, but that might just be an anecdotal observation. Hit was fine. I love Farabee, but he seems to get leveled every other game he plays. He does, and that's being a young kid. He'll get his head up. He's young. Game's a lot faster. Game is a lot faster, especially in the playoffs. He's a young guy. He'll be fine. Don't worry about Joel Farabee. He can take a beating. When JVR is skating and grinding, he is a difference maker. Love to see it. Yeah, he got in on the forecheck tonight, forced a couple turnovers, uh, gets rewarded with the goal. Oh, I wanted to talk about his goal because I have I have one friend uh, who is probably not listening now, but will listen to the podcast later, and he's a JVR hater. And, you know, since JVR came back, and I think I was too over-the-top in my JVR hate in his first stint here, I'm trying to make up for that in this stint and constantly defend him. Uh, but I have this one friend, Brandon Pliskin, what up, Brandon, uh, who is a JVR hater, and I wanted to talk about JVR's goal tonight and what he did to make it happen because it was a very subtle, great goal scorer's play. Uh, he's, he's coming down the middle, but he's on his backhand. He's a lefty who is, you know, the puck carrier is to his left, so he's on the right side, essentially. And if you're a lefty on the right side, you want to typically open all the way up. Think of John LeClaire, you know, slap shot at the top of the circles in the in the right circle like you want to open all the way up for a pass so you can maybe get a one-timer off uh and that's that's ideal shooting position and that's jvr's ideal shooting position uh from what he was on that rush but he was uh, savvy enough to feel the back checker and not open up all the way still stayed a little uh, opened up enough to receive the pass and shoot and score and he did 
but he shielded himself and didn't open all the way up. Because if he opens all the way up, the back checker can easily poke that puck away and the pass never gets to him. He's able to shield the puck enough to uh, receive the pass and put the puck on net, and it goes in, and I thought it was just an incredible play. Uh, Just a very small, subtle sign that JVR is looking like the goal scorer he needs to be if this thing is going to go, you know, even another game, game seven, you know? (laughs) That's what we're looking at. Those are the positive signs I'm looking for. He made that play, and I was very pleased with it. Thompson and Grant, after goals, frustrates me. Uh, They always seem to give up a chance, even when they do positive things first. Yeah, it's... uh, After a goal, all coaches just don't want to give up a huge... Like, they... They just think their bottom-of-the-lineup guys will do the bare minimum and not lose the next shift. But even if you don't give up a goal and you're in the defensive zone the whole shift, you gave up the momentum. It's like a... It's like a... Steph will love this because she loves my cross-sport references. She doesn't. She hates them. Um, it's like after you score three runs in an inning, you know, Bryce Harper... Okay. Bryce Harper hits a three-run home run in the fifth inning, in the top of the fifth. And now, in the bottom of the fifth, the pitcher gives up, you know, two home runs. You want that shutdown inning. That shutdown inning is all the momentum. It's how you squeeze the life out of a team. When you allow them to win the shift after you score, I can't say it's not like you scored because the point is on the board, but... You built no momentum off of it. I always want the next best line out after a line scores. If line one scores, I want line two out there. I don't care if they were just out there the shift before that. If line three scores, I want line one out there. I never want to go to the the five worst possible combinations of guys uh, after a goal. And that's hurt them a lot in these playoffs. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. JVR earned his paycheck. He did tonight. Uh, listen, he needs to do a lot more. JVR needs to be a difference maker for this team no matter what line he's on. But uh, he was he was what we needed from him tonight. Haig really sold that trip. I real I don't even think he dove. I just think like he was caught going one way as the guy who tripped him was going the o- the other. Uh, if he sold it, good for him. Uh, it did look like he went kind of flat. But I, 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 when your momentum is going one way and the guy checking you who accidentally trips you is going the other, like. That's just the physics of the thing. But way to go, Hague. Put the team on put the team on a power play. I wish they looked better on that power play and won it there. It would have made him the MVP of the game, as far as I'm concerned. Even more so if he dove to or, you know, embellished uh to draw it. G with two points is huge. He's gotta feel much better. Yeah, and you could just see after he scored, it wasn't like the over the top fist pump or bang the glass or anything celebration. He knew he needed it. He knew he needed to score that goal. 
and he got it, and it was just, all right, let's take care of business. JVR getting a goal about made me jump out my window. Finally, don't jump out your window, bro. Don't jump out your window. Uh, I need OT Voracek all game. I think Voracek gave you a lot tonight. Um, I think the top line overall until Couturier goes down gave you a lot. And even when Lawton stepped in, I, I liked, obviously, they get the they get the winner. Uh, those guys have been pushing. And it finally showed up on the score sheet. Um, I, I wasn't going to credit Giroux for working hard and doing the right things until one went in. Because you have to fucking score, man. I don't... This isn't hypothetical. It doesn't all even out in the playoffs. You know, I've made this comparison before, but it's like when Billy Bean says the money ball don't... The money ball shit gets him to the playoffs, but it don't work in the playoffs. Because it's small sample sizes and things like coming through in the clutch actually matter. He came through tonight. Hopefully that continues. I, and it, hopefully it continues for Jake. Hopefully Couturier can go. What are you doing, Bean? Ava is fired up about this one, fam. I'm just glad we don't have to be sad tonight. Yeah, I wasn't ready for the season to end, man. I'm, uh, if you listen to Broad Street Hockey Radio that we recorded yesterday, listen, I'm at peace with how it seemed like this thing was going to end, but I wanted to see their fight tonight. I wanted to see them come out and take care of business. Again, it didn't follow the script we wanted it to follow, but it did in terms of good start, you just have to finish. Like, except for the last five minutes, ten minutes of the third period, good game. But those final minutes are, you know, the most important. You'd like to see them be able to close that out. Um, they have to take this momentum. Just like I thought the game two momentum should have carried over. You know, you blow a 3 nothing lead, that's the lowest of lows, and then you win in overtime, that's the highest of highs. You had a similar situation tonight. You blow a 3-1, and then you win it in overtime. You have to take that feeling of knowing everything it takes to win in this series and to win a game in this series. And you have to take that to the next one. And if they do, I'm going to be talking to you about a Game 7 in a couple of days. Giroux, JVR, Lawton, TK stepped up. Yeah, it's a bunch of guys who've all been criticized in this series for... And, and necessarily, they weren't unfairly criticized. They deserved everything everyone was saying about them, and they came through tonight, and that's huge. And I'll, I'll give it to Niskanen as well with the goal. Niskanen hadn't scored in the playoffs, and uh, we've spent a lot of time on these post games talking about how, oof, Niskanen kind of looks like the Niskanen everybody who didn't like us acquiring him thought we were getting. That's kind of what he looked like in these playoffs so far. Uh, and getting the goal tonight, it's huge. That veteran leadership, again, he's the only guy in the room with a ring. He's he's an important part of this thing. He's Ivan Provorov's D partner. That's a huge role. OT Voracek was amazing. He's uh, When they started forcing turnovers in overtime the way that they did in the regular season, I just felt it, man. I know the shot count and all that. Wasn't what we wanted it to be in overtime, but they got back on the forecheck. They got back in the in the faces of the uh, of the defensemen in in the Islander zone. They forced turnovers, just like the Hayes goal or the uh, fuck. I can't even remember who scored it, but the the Hayes interception. I guess I don't remember, but the Hayes interception at the blue line. Like that's the kind of play they made all year. To I, there's probably the Niskanen goal. I want to say uh, that was the kind of play they made all year to set up their offense. It, the forecheck wasn't just about getting in first and winning that initial battle. It was about even if even if the defense retrieves, we continue the pressure and we get that second wave and force turnovers. And I saw much more of that tonight than I've seen uh, most of this series. That has to continue. They have to look at that as the blueprint. And they have to keep that pedal to the metal. I know score effects are what they are, and if you're up 3-1 late in the third, the other team's going to get a majority of the shots, a majority of the chances. That's just the way hockey works. It will not work in this series. It's been proven twice. You cannot just protect the lead. You have to continue playing the way you played to build the lead. That's what this team has to do. They cannot rely on defense the way they did against Montreal. 
The Islanders have too much confidence and too much firepower. You have to keep up that pressure and not let them gain the blue line. Because if they do, they have too many guys who can puck handle and forecheck. They just do. It's They don't have the most talented team, but they have too many guys who can play keep away, and they have too many guys who can win battles in corners and along the half boards. So you have to not let them gain the zone. Love the line change with Pitlick and TK. Thought both lines noticeably better. Yeah, and when then when TK gets moved back up, um, he's feeling it. And I think that contributed to his better game. Uh, having that wake-up call of, shit, I'm not as much a staple of this thing as I, as I thought I was. And TK's offense isn't extra anymore. You know, in 2018 against the Penguins, TK was a kid. And we were just going to... Anything he gives us is extra. It's on the vets. No, that's not the case anymore. Travis Konechny is one of the Flyers' not even six best forwards, three or four best forwards, and he has to play like it to give them a chance. Carter never seems to get rattled. That second goal was rough, but boy, was he solid in overtime. And that's what it takes. Uh, that's that's the... like his His technical ability... His statistics, all of that, are, yes, excellent. But how many good goalie prospects are there? All of them. Oh, yeah, he stopped shots in juniors. He'll be fine. It's his mental makeup that makes him special. It's what makes him a, you know, newly minted 22, you know, he's not a, what's he, 22 in one month at this point? And it's that little bit extra, that mental makeup he has, that composure, that maturity, whatever you want to call it, that's what makes him special. Yeah, that second goal was not good. He needs to stop that puck. The third one, that's a killer. Even though it's not on him, that's a killer goal. You would think that would that would hurt a goalie, especially a young goalie. No. That overtime man, damn. That was some... That's the Carter Hart we can count on for a while. Wore my TK jersey tonight for the first time in the playoffs. Better keep it out for Thursday, I guess. Don't wash that son of a bitch either. You got to keep wearing it for as long as they're playing. I would say even wear it tomorrow. Don't take it off. TK on, not on the board, but he had the fire tonight. He looked more, again, he looked more like TK than he has since the first round. Put Nate Thompson at 1C like when Coots was injured in the Penguins series. Who stepped in? Who stepped in for Coots in that series? I, the Hackstall era was, was you know... Not that long, 18 months ago or whatever, but it feels like a decade. Didn't the 2010 comeback start with an OT goal from a guy that wore a 2 and a 1 on the back of his jersey? Let's fucking go. Did he score in that, uh... Well, now you're going to make me look it up. If you think I remember a decade ago specifically, I know he scored in the Game 7, but how about Game... Whatever, four. Game logs, career playoffs. Check out some JVR stats for a second. And where are you? 2010. Boston. One, two, three, four, five, six. He didn't score until game seven against, uh, against Boston in that series. But, point taken... Their comeback did start with that JVR goal in Game 7, so I'll allow it. Hart making some big saves in OT. Didn't they have, like, two breakaways? Yeah, there were some breakdowns in overtime, man, and and in the third period. They're pushing, um, especially in overtime, and after the game gets tied up, they're going to push, and Carter Hart is he's one of the best players on this team, and he has to play like it to give them a chance, and in overtime tonight, he did... And that's what you ask out of your goalie, to make those... You hang out your goalie enough, he's going to lose. The team will lose because of it. But he also has to cover up some mistakes. And he's been up and down with that in these playoffs. He's played excellent some games. He's played not excellent some. But in overtime tonight, he was the guy they needed him to be. Why did it take three games of the coach calling them out to finally show up? I, I Listen, I'm still kind of just at peace with the Islanders are a bad matchup for this team, 
and a, a much better team than we even give them credit for. It, even in saying, when the playoffs started, and I'm doing radio hits and people are asking, well, who, who, do, you want to, who do you want to play? Who do you want to avoid? I was saying the, two team, the only two teams in the East I want to avoid are Tampa and the Islanders. Tampa is one of, if not the most talented team in hockey, and the Islanders are just a bad matchup, and they're well-coached, and like I said, more committed to a, a game plan than I've seen uh, most teams ever. I don't know if they didn't show up, or it's like how Montreal kind of looked in some of those games where the Flyers held them to like 22 shots. I was like, well, they didn't show up. No, it was some, it was some suffocating fucking defense that just made it look that way. Never easy, never pretty, but fucking woo! I agree. I uh, think I deserve some credit for the W from a fan perspective as I wore my flyer die flyers tee for uh, flyers tee tonight. I'll give credit to everybody who put the positive vibes out there. I shaved today, took off the stash. Anybody who switched up their routine, anybody who switched up their routine in hopes of uh, in hopes of sparking something, credit to you. You put the vibes out there and it worked. So, way to go. Let's get a couple more and I'm gonna wrap it up. Pitlick is quite a player, never a bad shift. Yeah, that, um... I was saying earlier, like, we talked about how deep this team was coming into the playoffs, but depth is predicated on the idea that the top of your lineup gets the job done, and then the extra shit is what your depth does, and that ends up being, oh my god, he's a hero. If the top of the lineup, these playoffs, was doing what they were supposed to do, Pitlick would be one of those heroes, like, oh my god, we couldn't have done it without this guy. Like, he'd be the Chad Durbin or J.C. Romero or, you know, someone like that uh, <laughs> of this run. But because they've had such trouble, it it's more like, how come Pitlick has two goals and Drew doesn't have any? You know? And that's that's tough for everybody. But that the Pitlick trade, the, uh, the Hartman for Pitlick... Uh, when they knew they couldn't afford Hartman and turned it into something, that's a hell of a move by Chuck Fletcher. That was uh, one of those small, savvy moves that you have to make to build a winner, and he did it. Was there an explanation for why they looked at that no goal for so long? It seemed really obvious that it didn't go in. I think they just, um, like, they just wanted to get one angle where they could say it didn't. And you're not allowed to guess and say, like, oh, yeah, it probably did. And they wanted to make sure there wasn't that one shot that was like, oh, fuck, that's a goal. You know? Um, think about that LeClaire goal through the side of the net when uh, it was like 2000, um, when they just didn't have the, the, the crease line or the back of the net cam, um, the ESPN camera for the review. And immediately after the game, they went, yeah, my bad. That shouldn't have counted. It went through the net. I think it's just that. They want to really make sure that they don't fuck somebody, which I'm fine with. Other experience for this is G and JVR were both on the 2010 team that came back against the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, it was a decade ago, and they were depth players at the time. They even mentioned that on the broadcast, like the last time this team had some playoff success. Giroux and JVR were young guys, and now they're, you know, two of the highest paid players on the team. So they're expected to contribute quite a bit more. Um, they came through tonight. Hopefully it carries over to Game 6, and we're talking about a Game 7 in a couple of days. Coots was injured whole third period in OT, so it seems like Thompson was elevated in TOI. Yeah, not as much as I expected. I thought he played less in the first two and more in the third, but it still was over a minute more in the third than he played in the first or second. And in overtime, he played kind of close to what he played in the first and second, and it wasn't a full period, so... I think it was more the Couturier injury than anything, but obviously I want the best players on the ice, and Nate Thompson is not one of the best players. But the coach believes in him, so we gotta get over that. Alright, I'm gonna scroll down, get a few more, call it a night, fam. Would like to see either Grant or Thompson bench next game? Uh, especially with... Those are two guys who can play center, and if Couturier... You're not getting Thompson out of this lineup. Maybe Derek Grant can come out, but I don't see them taking a guy who can play center out of the lineup, you know? 
I'm not wishing this or trying to put it out in the universe or anything, but just think like, all right, Couturier can't play game six. Think of Kevin Hayes, even if he just misses a couple shifts, misses a period or something. You're out of centers at that point. I know you can always move Giroux back. Lawton can play, but I know all this, but they're not going to take centers out of the lineup when they're already missing a center. Hopefully Couturier can play, and this is a non-issue, but if he missed the third period in overtime, I'm not hopeful that he's, like, good to go in a day or two. Did they even give an update in regards to the Coots injury? No, and they're not going to. We'll know on Thursday during warm-ups if he's ready to go. And maybe not even then. If he's a game-time decision, we might not know until they put the lineup card in. Until that shit is available on NHL.com for anybody to find it, we might not know about Couturier. There are no injury updates in the bubble. AV said he didn't know severity. Uh, Raffle for Grant? Yeah, if Raffle's healthy, obviously put Raffle in because he... He has some experience at center. He plays center for the for his national team. He's not really a center. They don't love him there. But, yeah, I would love Raffle in this lineup, but I don't think he's healthy. He's not skating in pregame, and their healthy scratches skate in pregame. I think he's just hurt. Uh, there's no reason to take Raffle out of the lineup. He's one of your... Tw- no matter what you think of Michael Raffle, if you make a list of all the forwards available, he's one of their 12 best. The only reason he'd miss multiple games in a row is he's not healthy, and that's what's happening. Watch NXT. Oh, I'm going to. I need to see that Iron Man match. Don't worry about that. I've got NXT on right now. Okay, we can't we can't talk this much about wrestling when they win in overtime to avoid uh, to avoid elimination. I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, G to center. It's a definite possibility. Um, what are you looking at then? Because a lot of a lot depends on Raffle and who they have available to play wing, too, because they're missing a winger in Raffle. So it's it's a balancing act. Uh, Giroux probably makes your center core better, but then who are you... Dre- there's there's a lot up in the air on that. I think TK was more effective because Lawton more effective center than Hayes. I wouldn't say he's a more effective center. Hayes is a pretty damn good center. He made a whole goal happen just on his ability uh, to create a turnover in the middle of the ice on, uh, you know, in the offensive zone tonight. But Lawton, JVR, TK is an interesting dynamic of three guys. Um, You know, Lawton, we know he's relentless. We know he has more skill than he's credited for, but I wouldn't call him a skill player. But he's been up in the top six a lot this year and has performed. TK, obviously, uh, you know, point-producing winger, uh, sparky player. And then JVR, the crash-the-net guy, the, the goal scorer. I, I like the... Di- if Especially if Couturier's healthy. I like the dynamic of that line and would like to keep them together. Uh, might not be possible because of the Couturier injury, but we don't know yet. Can Adam Cole play center? Ah, he's a little small. A little undersized. Is there any chance that Lindblom would play? I mean, fuck, I guess there's a chance. Uh, he ain't a ma- Charlie put it perfectly in his article that came out yesterday or today. He ain't a mascot. He's not there to just be, you know, uh, inspirational gritty. The only reason they'd have him out on the ice is because they think he can play. I think it's still far-fetched, but they don't. I wouldn't discount it for game six. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there because now someone's talking about playing Chris Stewart, and I don't even think he's on the team anymore. They gave away his number, for Christ's sake. Uh, so, Chris Stewart, uh, you and I got as much a chance of playing in this thing as Chris Stewart does. All right, that is all the time I have for you tonight. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, you get all sorts of content delivered to you pretty much daily, including these post games. The audio gets ripped and put right on our feed, but you also get our... Uh, what is it? You know, our flagship show, BSH Radio, you get Fly Perbly, you get Checking Out the Competition, Flyers Forecast, so much stuff I can't even name it all. So do that. Hit subscribe on the podcast feed. It helps us out. It's supporting us. So thanks for that. Please do it. Uh, and let me thank my friends at the Crest Tavern in Wildwood Crest, New Jersey, my favorite bar at the whole Jersey Shore. And it all starts with the man himself, Timmy Fitzpatrick. I worked in the restaurant business long enough to know it starts with the owner. If the owner is there doing his thing, everyone else will follow suit. 
Timmy Fitz is always at the Crest Tavern, making sure that food is hot and that beer is cold. So check out the Crest Tavern. Hey, check it out on Thursday. The Flyers will be playing a night game, and for all night starts, they have a 20-foot television outside for you and your uh, outdoor dining experience. So check out the Crest Tavern, Wildwood, New Jersey. Can't recommend it enough. And of course, drink that Labatt, baby. Labatt Blue has gotten us this far. It'll get you through these playoffs, whether it's Labatt Blue, Labatt Blue Light, or, La or Labatt Blue Light Seltzer. All their beers are good, even their seltzer. And you know I'm a beer guy, not a seltzer guy. I'm, in, I'm enjoying their, uh, their fruit-inspired seltzer drinks. Uh, they're pretty good, too. So whatever it is, drink Labatt. That's it. I'm done. Have a great night, everybody. And one last time, woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go, Flyers! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Hey, Bill. Just wanted to send you a quick note from uh, north of the border here. Let's fucking go! 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 Go Flyers! Woo! Let's fucking go Flyers! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Woo! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go! Let's fucking go, boys! Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.